banger. <laughs> let's try hey, Gina Juju. Let's try Hans Singer. Hans we'll just Singer. call her Field Walker. Field, Wal- Field Walker's easier. Yes. And for I'm Charmin Tissue and uh, and for all, for all of us here at Red hey, Solutions. Uh, thanks for listening. Please tune in next week. Try to remember Mitakuyo. Yes, and we are all related. If Pandora's box is a box of chocolates, would I know to stay away? What's if Pandora's box is a box of chocolates? Would I eat them anyway? Every time I have half a mind to leave you, babe That means I have half a mind to stay It's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Good evening, this is Mike. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food, and we've shoveled a lot of it into our throats in 2006. And so it's time to look back on all the food we've eaten. That's a lot of food. That's kind of gross. But nonetheless, I want to look back on 2006 and a lot of different aspects of the year as it relates to food. This is a year we almost had an organic farmer, for instance, get elected to Congress from Michigan. Sharon Rainier, narrowly defeated by Tim Wahlberg of the right-wing crazy zealot party. Sharon Rainier, the Democrat, an organic farmer, did not win, but came very close to winning. Uh, This is also uh, the year that we had a lot of records being returned right now. I want to take just a moment to let you know some of the records that are now being returned to stores after Christmas, including this one. Yes, the Mighty Lord Polka. That record has been returned, however. This is the Mighty Lord Polka by Dick Pillar from the album Polka Mass on the Stelio label. But this record has been returned, unfortunately. Also, this one was recently returned. Zum neuen Königskind, Param, Papapam. Bringt ihm das Beste, Alparam, Papapam, Ram, Papapam, Ram, Papapam. Lauf auch du zum Stall, Param, Papapam, kleiner Trommelmann. König, Param, Papapam, 
in kalte Winternacht, param, papapam. Hab euch nichts mitgebracht, param, papapam. Nicht Gold und Edelstein, param, papapam, ram, papapam, ram, papapam. Nur mein Lied allein, param, papapam. Yes, Little Drummer Boy by Marlene Dietrich has been returned recently. Sadly, the buyer was heard to say they thought it was Mariah Carey. And they complained, in fact, that they were looking for a record where it was how so high-pitched in parts that only dogs can hear it. Mariah Carey can do that. Marlene Dietrich could not. But I'll take the record. Those are just a few records that are being returned right now to stores after Christmas. And returning to a better place is James Brown. The Godfather of Soul passed away on December 25th. And I saw it on the web that day, and it was it was pretty surprising and shocking. And I sort of sat down and said, well, he's had a long life, and I, I guess I could accept it, you know. And then, and then somebody on WCBN went ahead and, of all things, played a James Brown record and played a really cool one. Why would they do a thing like that? I don't know. They played That's Life, the song that Sinatra made famous, and James Brown totally owned that record and made it his own, and it actually brought a tear to my eye. So James Brown today, his gold casket was brought through Harlem and to the Apollo, the famous Apollo Theater, where so many R&B artists got their start. He debuted at the Apollo in 1956. Today his gold-colored casket lay at the Apollo, and he lay so people could see him one last time. That's the way to go.
It's Pandora's Lunchbox, and that's James Brown, Mother Popcorn. James Brown, now where the angels are at the Apollo. James Brown did about five, six, seven songs about the popcorn, a dance that he made up, including Mother Popcorn, Load On Popcorn, Let a Man Come In and Do the Popcorn, Part 1, Let a Man Come In and Do the Popcorn, Part 2, and he also did, oh, a Mashed Potato Popcorn and Popcorn with a Feeling. And if you've ever felt popcorn, you know what that feels like the great James Brown. And now we're going to take just a moment, actually, to listen back to one of my favorite chats that I had this year. By the way, if I haven't mentioned, I'm sorry. Sorry for being rude. This is Mike, and this is Pandora's Lunchbox, a show about food. Looking back at 2006, and to a discussion I had with Sylvia from Pilar's Cafe, a place on State Street that makes Salvadorian food. And we had a conversation where we, just before this point where we're going to jump into the conversation, she had sent a message in Spanish to Pilar's Cafe, and here is the conversation from there. So I, I, I'm very influenced by this new, um, new uh, way of cooking. And, um, yeah, and I like to do a lot of local things, too. So I'm a vendor at the farm. You know what? Actually, that's not where I meant to go into the interview. So we're going to listen to a little bit of James Brown here. Just for the heck of it, here we go. James Brown. What you going to play now? Bobby? I don't know, but whatsoever I play, it's got to be funky. Yeah. One, two, three, make it funky. are passing James Brown's casket and he's making it funky even now. But now we're going to go to my discussion with Sylvia at at Pilar's Cafe talking about the message that she sent to Pilar's Cafe in Spanish when we were having that conversation. It was, I, I told Justin to uh, not forget, he's one of our cooks, I said don't forget to brew the, the hibiscus flour tea ah. because it's one of our biggest sellers. That one in the horchata, the house rice drink. But the hibiscus we've been brewing since we opened, um, you know, our our place, and uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful tea. We brew it from the hibiscus flower. Mm-hmm. In Spanish, is Jamaica. Jamaica. It's very, yeah. It's just a wonderful flower. It's a, it's a, kind of got a bit of a of a bite to it. So you really gotta put a little bit of a sweetener in there. But uh, it's wonderful. Lots of vitamin C in it. It's a really refreshing tea. It really very, is. very refreshing. And that's the thing, you know, in Latin America. Um, they're called agua frescas, which would you translate it means fresh waters. A lot of uh, drinks in Latin America are very, I mean, obviously with a tropical weather, you got to have something that refreshes you right away. You know, take off that that heat. Mm-hmm. And so we don't really do a lot of thick nectars, uh, which nectars are wonderful. But again, agua frescas means something refreshing, fresh waters. And so Jamaica is one of those waters mm-hmm. that you can just on a real hot day just drink sixteen ounces, no problem. 
I could drink 16 or 32. Really, right, no right. Yeah, absolutely. You're also talking about the rice drink? Yeah, talk, the talk horchata. Horchata is, um, again, very traditional to Latin American countries. And each country has its own specialty. And just like with every cook as well, you have your own way of, of doing things. Our horchata is, um, what makes it extra special is that it's made with morro. It's M-O-R-R-O. It's a... It's a it's a Salvadorian spice, and it almost looks like a big giant peppercorn. Hmm. And then inside of it, it's got a coconutty flavor to it. It's coconut, yeah, coconutty. And uh, we take the rice, the almond, the morro, the nutmeg, uh, chunks of cinnamon, like Mexican cinnamon, and then we toast everything. Hmm. We toast it for about 10, 15 minutes, and then it's soaked overnight. And then the next day, you grind it. And you grind it, and you grind it some more. Um, and then you sift it through a cheesecloth. We have the Salvadorian um, mantas, which means a, a, a rag or a cloth. And um, a lot like a cheesecloth, you, you, you pour the mix in, and then you're adding a little bit of water, and then you're stirring as you're adding. And so you're pouring everything that's falling into a bucket. Um, on the bottom is the essence, like the milk of the rice. And it's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And good, good horchata should never have dairy in it. Oh, okay. And although it looks like it could, it's all from the rice. And uh, it's one of our specialties. And it's a light, refreshing, and subtle drink, I think, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've actually even heard, uh, um, you know, kind of a desserty uh, drink as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. That's my mother, Lillian's specialty. Oh, okay. She, uh, she's, she's one of our... Or chata ladies, one of our tamale ladies. Aha. Uh-huh. Many, many, many different things. You know, we all have different, different hats. We, we wear, uh, we have a lot of different uh, jobs that we do, and and we do it well. Yes, you do. And speaking of hats, yes. you're, you're wearing a very colorful hat right now. This is a hat that one of my very special friends made it for me. Her name is Pat. And uh, she's actually, um, she vends at the farmer's market okay. on Sundays. And Pat Calderon, and uh, she actually sewed all of our tablecloths in oh, the wow. restaurant. Oh, wow. So they're beautiful. A lot of things that have been done for our, our place. It's been a wonderful, um, very, lots of friends and uh, people that we know, you know, have really uh, cooperated and uh, have put in their, their love for us in the cafe. And Pat is the one that she's... Uh, Made, made well. I, I would I wouldn't call her my my hat maker, mm-hmm. but she uh, definitely has made me some beautiful hats. And, and this, uh, this hat is uh, covered with peppers of all with sorts. Chili peppers, chili yeah. peppers of all colors. Yeah, and yes. uh, and then you know she's done the tablecloth. So yeah, lots of things that are in the restaurant have been very special to are special to us because people have done it with with love. Yeah. And uh, we're talking about Pilar's Cafe. If you just tuned in a moment ago, I'm with Sylvia, and uh, my mouth is watering while we're talking uh, about this. But you were you mentioned tamales, and well, now I got to we got to talk about yeah, tamales, tamales definitely. Yeah, tamales are again, you know, one of those real tamales are a Latin American tradition, I would say, and a lot like I say to people, you know, when people say, "Oh, 
I love tamales or oh I've had I've had tamales before it's it's wonderful because um, then you kind of have an idea that tamales are made with corn mm-hmm. corn is the basis of tamales and uh, throughout different parts of Latin America throughout even different uh, you know within the countries and even within regions of a country the tamales can vary in size and the way that they're wrapped whether they're wrapped with corn husk or banana leaves and the stuffing, what gets put inside is, again, it's kind of like a pizza. You know, you can say, oh, I love pizza, but, you know, we all have our favorite pizzas. Right. Right, you know, but uh, the basis of pizza, it's the dough and the sauce on the top. Mm-hmm. And then the toppings vary. I like tamales. Our tamales are very Salvadorian-style tamales. They're nice. What makes them Salvadorian is that they're wrapped in banana leaves versus corn husk. Okay. And that's just because that's what's more available in El Salvador. Corn husk is not, I mean, corn, it is a big uh, crop of ours, but what's more available is the uh, plantain leaves, banana leaves. And so that's what they're wrapped in. And uh, we have uh, three tamales in-house, which uh, if you had them in El Salvador during Christmas, they're called tamale especial, which means special tamale. And what makes them special is that uh, they have capers and green olives. Again, this is during Christmas only. And uh, what, make, what why they're special is because capers and green olives, it's, a, it's an expensive ingredient. Mm. And so the families will spend a little bit of money during the holidays and will throw in some of these capers and olives and into their tamales. And that's why they're called special tamales, oh. which is really wonderful and fascinating because it it makes you realize the things that we here take for granted. You know, here we look at a, a caper and a green olive as just like, oh, caper and green olives. How nice. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, or, you know, but uh, we're there. It's uh, it's a specialty. It's uh, families will spend a little bit more money to make this a Christmas tamale. And so there's capers, green olives, a slice of potato, a slice of green pepper, and there are house sauce. And then they're wrapped in banana leaves, and then they're steamed. Mm-hmm. And they're wonderful. What else can I say? <laughs> <laughs> so um, why, uh, wrap them in, why wrap them in plantain, or mm-hmm. why wrap them in corn husks? What, what's the reason for that? Yeah. Well, again, with uh, Salvadorian tamales, that's, you know, the, the banana leaf is what's more available. But particularly for me as a cook, I've actually tried both. I used to use a lot of corn husks with some of my tamales. And I really, I like the uh, the essence, the the almost the the smell, the even that uh, the the banana leaf gives the the uh, tamale a little bit of a I don't know how to quite describe mm. it, but it it really it kind of leaks into the tamale this wonderful flavor. Mm. So which I wasn't finding in corn husk a lot, but they're both pretty and they're both great ways of, mm-hmm. of wrapping them. But um, but yeah, and we and you know we have different kinds of tamales. We have the uh, the meat tamales, vegetarian, vegan, and then we also have some sweet desserty tamales. And I love I got to talk about the sweet desserty tamale, oh, the yeah. sweet plantain tamale, oh, which I yeah. want I want to just skip dinner and have one of those right, right now myself. Right. But uh, <clears throat> well, and you know that tamale is kind of funny because. A lot of the things that I've um, been able to create over the years, often growing up as a child, you know, you you don't have any waste. Waste is not a word that exists in our vocabulary. You know, you mm-hmm. make do with what you have, but everything that you have, you you make it. There is no such thing as same thing again, you know, going back here where it's like, oh, throw that away. There it's like every single thing 
gets made. And um, so I want to tell you this story with the sweet plantains. About three years ago, in our in our old catering kitchen, um, I had two cases of plantains, which is a large banana. It looks like a banana, but it's large. And then when it gets... Uh, when it ripens, it starts turning like a banana, so it browns up, kind of yellowish, and it softens up. And that's when the sugars are fully developing, and uh, they become very sweet. Hmm. And so I had two cases, which was 80 pounds of, of plantains. And I said to my mom, I said, Mom, I said, what am I going to do with this 80 pounds? I don't want to lose them. Hmm. You know, here they are. They're beautiful. They're ripe. But, what you know, usually, traditionally, you fry them up. So you slice them and then uh, and then and then fry them up. Um, so I said, "Huh, I know. I'll make sweet plantain tamales." Okay. So it was one of those things that a lot of the things that I've done like that as I've, as a new creation are things that I go, "Hey, you know, why not?" Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the, why not? And uh, so that tamale is a real special one for for breakfast. It's got raisins, nutmeg, cinnamon. Mm -hmm. And then again, it's got the corn in it because that's traditional. You can't have a tamale without the corn. Right. And and people lately actually at the restaurant have been accompanying it with a big scoop of ice cream on the side. And a little maple syrup. (laughs) (laughs) I know I'm hungry too now. Yeah. Well, you were talking about all all, some of the things you do. You have uh, vegan. You have uh, meat. Uh, tamales, you have different foods, and organic food yeah. is a big part of what you do in, mm-hmm. in Pilar's Cafe. Can yeah. you talk about that? Well, you know, not everything's organic that we do, but there are some things that I feel really, here's my, is what I say to people. If I can't feed it to my family, I'm not going to feed it to you. So with the, with the meats, they're free range antibiotic hormone free meats Mm -hmm. and i feel great about that because we all know that the meat industry isn't the uh the cleanest out there Mm -hmm. for you know i don't want to get too political into that but again i just feel really good about that i feel like that's what my family eats and that's what i want to feed you uh the grains uh the black beans uh red beans white beans pinto they're all organic grains again i um I eat a lot of, you know, healthier food, organic foods. And so there's been things throughout the years that I've thought, hey, you know, why not? I'll pay a little extra, but it's uh, it feels good for me and it feels good to serve that. You know, it's like I want people to not only enjoy what they're eating, but I want their bodies to to feel good. And um, and so that's been a very important part of our of our growth is uh doing things that that are going to make us feel good because there is a lot of sickness going on now you know in the world in general people are suffering from all kinds of things and unfortunately our food is not being taken care of the way that it should which is natural you know i mean so much out there has got preservatives and things that that it's it's not supposed to you know what i mean yeah so i i i'm very influenced by this new um new uh, way of cooking. Thank you, James Brown. Thank you, Sylvia, from Pilar's Cafe on State Street, the Salvadorian Food Cafe, and Pilar's also caters and has been catering for a long time. It's Pandora's Lunchbox, and time is flying quite alarmingly, but and so is 2006. It's really quite alarming, but I wanted to take a moment... To look back at 2006, in fact, look all the way back to December 28th. 
Oh, that's today. Okay, this just in. Uh, this is from the Associated Press. Federal health officials have declared that food from cloned animals is safe to eat. Agency officials from, actually from the FDA, I believe, say they don't think special labels will be needed, though that decision is pending. Final approval won't come until after a three-month public comment period. A five-year study by the Food and Drug Administration found that by the time cloned livestock reach 6 to 18 months old, they're virtually indistinguishable from conventional livestock. The director of veterinary medicine at the agency calls meat and milk from the clones as safe as the food we eat every day. But consumer advocates say the FDA assessment may be hasty. The Consumer Federation of America says the agency is ignoring research that shows that cloning results in more deaths and deformed animals than other reproductive technologies. Cloned food is safe to eat. It's official. Also, not long ago, we had this news. British health authorities recommending surgery for severely obese children. This is all true. Uh... Britain has the worst obesity rates in Europe, with a fifth of its children projected to be obese by 2010, and it's the first European country to recommend surgery for overweight for obese children. The National Institute for Health and Clinical Excellence, and there's no excellence like clinical excellence, says obesity is now more damaging to health than smoking, heavy drinking, or poverty. The agency says surgery should only be offered to children who have gone through puberty, have such risk factors as diabetes or high blood pressure, and have not been able to lose weight through diet and exercise. Stomach stapling reshapes the stomach by using staples and bands to create a small pouch that limits the amount of food the patient can eat. So children's stomachs should be stapled, and cloned food is safe to eat. Also, uh, chewable contraceptives. This is, this is all coming at us so fast. This all happened actually in the last couple of months. This is from the Associated Press. Looking for a contraceptive that's convenient and tasty? The first chewable birth control method, a tiny spearmint-flavored tablet that also can be swallowed without chewing, has hit pharmacy stores. Femcon Fe, or Femcon Fi, perhaps, contains the same hormones as standard oral contraceptives, offering a new option for women who don't like swallowing pills or are on the go and want to take their birth control with them. And Warner Chilcott is the company. They officially launched the product aimed at women who sometimes forget to take their pills. According to a number of studies, one-third to nearly one-half of women on birth control pills miss one or two per month, increasing their chances of pregnancy. And the FE part is a reference to iron, which is in the dummy pills. There are 28, there are 21 active pills and seven days of in- inactive or reminder pills, and that's the Femcon fee. A lot of things changing. Also, this year... 2006, British scientists announced that what they've built, what they say is the first world's first artificial stomach, a shiny high-tech box that physically stimulates, <laughs> simulates human digestion. Built out of sophisticated plastics and metals that are able to withstand the corrosive acids and enzymes found in the human gut, the device may ultimately help in the development of super nutrients, such as obesity-fighting foods that could fool the stomach into thinking that it's full. With an artificial gut. A lot has happened this year, and a lot of it is very interesting, kind of funny, and strange. And that's what Pandora's Lunchbox has been about all year. Thank you so much for being a part of this, just by listening, by God. And, okay, what a few more quotes from 2006. It's going to be time very soon to hear our wolf and face the music. It's just a few minutes away. Uh, a few quotes from the year. This is about uh, Samuel Berger, the outgoing chairman of the House Government Reform Committee, says questions remain about former National Security Advisor Samuel Berger and his removal of classified documents from the National Archives, and he pledged to get the answers. He said, I don't care if it's Sandy Berger or Warren Berger or Veggie Berger who walked off with those documents. That's Thomas M. Davis III, a Virginia Republican. 
I didn't know Veggie Burger was running. And as a matter of fact, I think it's good that, that there is an awareness of, uh, of vegetarian options in, in Congress. And that is a beautiful thing, as a matter of fact. And also, this is from the fellow Kenneth Pollack, who was a former Iran-Iraq military analyst at the Central Intelligence Agency, saying that he believed reports that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction. He says, I drank the Kool-Aid. Yes. Well, this has been Pandora's Lunchbox. I've been Mike for pretty much the whole year. And I just want to say thank you for that, letting me be that. It's WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Food is running its course in 2006. There will be so much more food in 2007 to digest. And we will digest it with you here on the air. As long as we don't get any food on the turntables, it's going to be all right. And we'll follow regulations of the regents of the University of Michigan. Thank you for listening. This is Perry and Kingsley and Cosmic Ballad. Happy 2006. Happy New Year. Don't get wet. Thank you.